Welcome to another episode here at the Midnight Founders Podcast. We're so excited to be with you today. This is AJ Rounds from Rev Road and Jake McCarg from CB Vault. Here at the Midnight Founders Podcast, we focus on telling behind the scenes stories for what makes a successful entrepreneur. We're excited for another week. Here we go. Okay, we're super excited to be here this afternoon with Jenny Groberg on the Midnight Founders Podcast. Uh, Jake and I here have been excited to meet with you for uh, it's been a couple months in coming in uh, in the in the in the work. So uh, uh, Jenny Groberg is coming to us from um, Davis County with a company called Book Smarts, and um, she's won all sorts of cool awards. Just recently, the Stevie Awards, I understand. And she's a mom of five, and she is a champion for women in business. So, Jenny, welcome to the studio today. Super Thank excited you. to have you. Thank you so much. This is great. This is super fun. And um, the audience can't see this, but I have to say that her Nike Airs are incredible. They're <laughs> multicolored, and they've got all sorts of their high tops, and I want a pair of those. I'm They're just called Tokyos. S- Tokyos. I love them. <laughs> they were not typical for an accountant. I totally. Yeah. I, yeah, I was like, is this too much? I'm like, no, we're fun. I yeah. think it's awesome. So that tells you a lot about Jenny right there. So um, what we typically start out with on the podcast, Jenny, is your 30-second elevator pitch on, you know, your business and what you're doing and what you're trying to accomplish and how you're changing the world. Okay, awesome. So I run a bookkeeping and accounting firm. We employ all women. So it's a female-run, led team, which is unique. Most accountants are guys and have, you know, assistants and things, but it's all women, all moms. We all work remotely from home all over the country, and we do bookkeeping for small businesses, but we also act as accounting departments for bigger companies, CFOs, controllers, whatever role the business needs, we can fill that for them. So we have data entry, we have accountants, we have girls with masters, and we have CPAs on staff. So pretty much whatever your need is, we can flex with you. And then you're not paying for training and benefits and turnover and all those extra costs. So I cover that for my stuff. So very cool. And you're nationwide and 300 plus clients Mm -hmm. deep is what I understand. Is that right? We're, we have 21 employees again, all moms and all part-time all, well, we have some full-time. Okay. Some part-time, um, just depends on their needs, but yeah, if they're, you know, we're able to tap into this really high, highly skilled workforce that want to be moms. And that is 100% the most important thing. And then they're super smart. They want to work. They want to contribute. They sometimes financially need the money. Sometimes, you know, they just want that outlet. But, yeah, that's what we're looking for. And, and it builds a really strong team. How long have you been doing this? When did you start it? 15 years. 15 years. Yeah. Okay. And how, did it grow quickly and kind of plateau or are you still just ramping up? Did it kind of stay low for a while and grow? So it kind of began with, um, we were, you know, students. My husband went to med school. We didn't have two pennies to rub together. He was on rotations fourth year. I had to move in with my mom. We couldn't, well, my parents, we couldn't afford his expenses and my expenses. I couldn't even afford to get him home to see our kids. Our kids thought that he abandoned them, which was so sad. So he was across the country or something? Yeah, he was rotating, you know, months at a time. And Mm. so I was like, I have to do something. I have to work. And there was a restaurant that had posted a listing in the newspaper for 
accounting work in Park City. So I drove up there and I had done CFO work um, during school. Um, I was a remote CFO. But then there were some patent issues and lawsuits and the company dissolved. So I was like, I'll go interview for this and I'll totally convince them to just let me do it remotely. So I go interview. Way before remote was a thing. Yeah, right? <laughs> absolutely. Because I'd worked remotely, you know, as uh, as a CFO. So I go and interview and he didn't go with me. And I was just like, that's impossible. I'm the best. Like, what the heck, you know? <laughs> and so. You're lost, not mine. <laughs> yeah, but, but then I was like, I've got to do something. And I have two little kids at home that I need to take care of. And so. I was like, all right, I've got to work from home and, and start something. So it was completely out of necessity. Um, I began consulting with uh, like local small businesses. Slim Olson's and Bountiful called me, and he's like, you know, I looked at the list of possible accountants and consultants. I don't want to work with a 50-year-old fat man, you know. <laughs> so he's like, you know, and I'm, I'm still pretty new, but – it was fun. We had a good time, kind of got an accounting department, established for him some processes. And and then, you know, with him behind me, I just got more traction and started meeting with more and more people. And often the business owners would be like, hey, this is better if you just do it for me. So I would just start working from home. So I did the data entry. I did the bookkeeping. I did the accounting. I did the financials. I did everything. And then... Um, I started, I taught some classes for the U of U, um, Utah nonprofits, hoping that, you know, that would funnel more business. Kind of get the um, word out. Yeah. And some credibility. And then I was working, you know, during residency till two in the morning. And I'm like, I cannot sustain this. This is impossible. I had three little kids at the time and no sleep. And I was like, I, I got to sell, you know. I can't do this. So in my head, I'm thinking that's the only option. I got to unload this. I can't do it anymore. And, um, you know, couldn't really find the right person. And then I ended up hiring someone full-time. And I didn't have full-time work for, and that was okay. So I was like, hey, you know, pay you full-time. Let me teach you how to do this. And she was a really hard worker, not necessarily an accountant. And I just taught her how to do it. So as I went and acquired more business, I'd pass it off to her. So it's kind of those switch points where I'm like, I'm done. I've had it that our growth has really taken off. So I was shocked when I, I, cause I went to school for accounting. I got my undergrad in accounting and then I went and got a job in accounting. And I was like, this is like night and day. Like it's not even like close to what we studied in school. Like <laughs> totally the daily right. stuff that you're doing, like you have to understand the principles of accounting, but like what you do on a day-to-day -day basis is not what you studied in school. It's true. And it varies depending on the client, right? Like yeah. we have some home office, we're managing millions and millions of dollars. And then we have, you know, some beauty companies and we have franchises and we have to just flex and learn it. Yeah. you know, and adjust. So yeah, you have to understand the principles, right? Yeah. But then beyond that, it's just like you're learning something on the job every totally. day. So yeah, that's what makes crazy. it fun though. Yeah. I love that you were ready to be done, ready to sell. And then you made a key hire and then all of a sudden you started to grow. Totally. And to scale yeah. almost kind of by accident. Yeah. That's really kind of cool. Yeah. Huh. At first I was like, okay, we just have to pay our rent. We're living in a basement <laughs> of my friend's parents. They rented out their basement, totally just helping people out. Right. And our rent was 600 bucks. That's all we had for housing in residency is 600. I'm like, I just have to make enough to pay our rent, you know? And then 
by year three, I was hitting almost a hundred thousand, which was awesome. And then, you know, as we've um, brought on more employees and more clients, it's, it's fun. Our growth has been really dynamic. That's awesome. You're close to 1.4 million million roughly annually. That's fantastic. Yeah. What, um, you know, I've heard that you're kind of the, the guru or the, uh, the genius that helping students, and this is kind of how you got into this, helping them pay off their loans quickly. What are your strategies to do that? So what I've seen with businesses, businesses that typically fail or that struggle have a lot of debt, especially, you know, cyclically when you have changes in interest rates or recessions or whatever, it's the companies that are the most liquid that do the best, right? Mm -hmm. And my husband was in a surgery with a doctor and he said, I've just now paid off my, I've just now paid down my student loans to what I initially borrowed. And he was 15 years in practice. So it was all interest up to that point? Totally. I'm like, holy smokes, we are not doing that. (laughs) This is not a pet, a long-term, you know, mole on my skin or a rash like we are we are paying this off as soon as we can and so um that must have been a high interest rate i don't know what his problem was student debt well they probably lived off of it they probably probably wasn't just for like school well i mean he was a doctor right so he probably had a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt and i think a lot of people are just like so much it's 30 years i'm paying it off over 30 years so I was just like, we're not doing that. Yeah. So, so we, we did buy a house. We bought a house on a short sale, but we didn't do anything else. We didn't buy better cars. We didn't buy any furniture. We didn't go on any expensive vacations. We kept our lifestyle the exact same. And anything extra just went to the student loans. And we got them paid off in two years. Wow. Yeah, That's awesome. it's huge. Mm. And then after that, it's like, okay, I can finally buy a dresser. And I can, you know, we can go on a trip. That's amazing. So. I think that that's probably the biggest problem with student debt is like a lot of people aren't willing to change their lifestyle, right? Like you yeah. guys were willing to change your lifestyle. And so like they go to medical school, but they still want to drive a nice car while they're in medical school. So they get debt for like things that are not just yeah. school. So, Or as soon as you graduate or finish residency, it's like, okay, you know, we've yeah. been in school I've arrived. for over a decade. Let's buy a house. We need a bigger car. You know, Go we on need vacations. the things. Yeah, we deserve it. And it's, yeah, you, everybody deserves it, right? But like long-term, the the long scope here is, yeah, you got to pay it off. We're going to spend way more money and manpower trying to pay those off than if we just, you know, stop it right at the beginning. So when does it make sense, um, and it's probably different with every company, but when does it make sense to engage, like the entrepreneur shouldn't be doing their own books anymore. Is it like the day they start their business? Is it, you know, somewhere in the first year when they get kind of post revenue, like when, when do they need to engage? Okay. So when I taught a class at the U of U, I, you know, it's the 80, 20 rule, right? And like most people are spending 80% of their time on 20% of what really matters. And, and you shouldn't be doing that. So if it's a really low touch item, if you're doing it once a week, if you're doing it once a month, once a year, you outsource it. Anything that is taking your eye off the ball, you've got to outsource or hire, right? Like, yeah, could you paint your office? Totally. You can mow the lawn. You can file your own taxes, but you're better off building your own business. You're going to make more money if you can stay focused and getting sales 
we're getting more business. So well, and even isn't there an element too there where you kind of want to shift that liability onto someone else anyway, so that it kind of helps protect you because you're having a professional do it, right? I think it's smarter. Like some people are like, I'm so smart. I can totally do my accounting work. And they probably are capable, right? But if if somebody's better and faster at it than you, you know, you might spend six hours and we might spend a half hour, you know? So that time value of money is so high, that opportunity costs. So it's really important that you that you push it off your plate. There's a lot of things as a, as a CEO that I'm like, yeah, I should, you know, I, I think right now I know that my time and my energy is so scarce that everything I'm trying to pass off, literally everything to my CEO. You're like a traffic controller almost. Yeah. And I'm telling my CEO, Emily, Hey, get that off your plate. Why are you doing the one-on-one calls? Why are you, you know, you have managers that can check in with the staff. You need to work on X, Y, and Z, right? So I think it's this constant game of, hey, this is on my plate. This shouldn't be on my plate. You know, my focus should be building my business. My focus should be growth and the bigger picture and then put the other people in place that can help with the little pieces. So. Love that. So I I kind of, there's a lot of companies out there that were forced into doing remote work when COVID happened, right? You were kind of a pioneer in this uh, field. Yeah. So how have you successfully built teams um, of people, you have managers that are leading teams in your organization. How have you been successful at doing that with entirely remote work? Okay. So, you know, initially it was just like, we have, I have to work remotely, right? There's no other option. So when COVID hit, yeah, it was no problem, right? Like we're the beginning, we're using like, go to my PC, you know, screen share, whatever. Now, you, you know, you've got QuickBooks online and you're not tying up anybody's computer, but you know, initially I'd have an employee or two and life changes, right? Um, people move, people have kids, people don't want to work anymore. And it's like the risk and the, um, the upheaval for my business is high. So I think it's important to look at your business and, and, and do some risk mitigation, assign a number one through four. How risky is this person in my business? How, you know, what is the impact going to be if I lose them or a client? You know, I had a huge client, a $10 million client. They were 80% of my business. I knew if I lose them, <laughs> I'm done. I'm, I'm not done, but like there goes 80% of my revenue. Whatever it right? takes, keep them happy. Yeah. Um, we will mow their lawn if we have to. <laughs> yeah. But, but having one employee, having her leave was catastrophic. Right. And so as I went, I learned things like, okay, I've got to have two accountants on every account. I need a For that redundancy factor, right? Yeah, redundant. Um, You know, if somebody goes on vacation, there's somebody else to to sustain that client and help them. If somebody has a baby, we just had one of our girls. uh, She's awesome. She's she's got a master's from BYU. She just had twins, so she has six kids now. And, and she's, she's just incredible. Bless her. We should give her a shout out right here. We should. Robin is amazing. Yeah. Robin (laughs) and her team. She has a team. She has two other accounts. She's got Liz and Georgia and they can pick up the pieces for, they can support that client and it's a big client and she can take care of her kids. And then when she's ready to come back, which I'm like, she's never coming back. And she's like, can I come back? You know, are you ready to have me back? Which was surprising because I, I don't know that I could have 
you know, twins and then come back after a few months. But, but there is some sustainability, there's some um, continuity for the client. And then, you know, you don't have these huge swings and risk for your business. So that's probably the most important thing we've done is build teams. We cross train, we pay for that training. We make sure everybody's up to speed. And then if we do lose an employee or they choose to do something else, it's no problem. You know, we've, we've got other people that know how to do it and we just hire someone else. I love this. Um, I you mean, haven't, you haven't said it, but it, I can just feel that you're an incredible delegator. Like yeah. obviously you did it yeah. with your first employee, you know, you hired them on and like, we're able to just offload the clients to them. But it seems like the way that you've built your business is just um, reinforcing the fact that you're just really good at delegating. Initially it was like, I'm either done or I'm hiring this person and passing off the work. And I did, I had a trainer on everything. I had a teacher, everything. And my clients were very resistant, right? Cause it's a service business and I was the business. They want to work with you. They want right? me. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't do it. And I would find finally, I just said, it's either her, it's nothing. I'm so sorry. I, I am still here. I'm in an advisory role but I cannot sustain this. And they were just like, you know, they it's threw neat. a fit, but you know, but that's what happens. Is it's, there, oh, it's book smarts, not Jenny's bookkeeping. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Book smarts. Good job I mean, doing thankfully, that. Yeah. But, but you know, when you have, and now I have five kids and, and it was just, it was out of necessity. I had to pass it off. Well, and that's where I was going to go is, is say, you know, I mean, because, and there's a lot of parallels, right, with uh, being a mother and you know having all those responsibilities and then running a business. And you probably just had to be the delegator because you have to do that at home as well, right? Same yeah, but I'm. Concept. you're right. I'm not a micromanager. I 100% pass it off and say, go for it. And then, you know, you can kind of tell if things aren't going well. And I would say with hiring, right, hiring's the absolute worst. But you know if somebody's bad in the first month and you get rid of them because it does not get any better. So that's a lot, that's a big problem that people have is, oh, it'll get better. I'll keep training them. It's a mentality, it's a personality type. And if they're not a good fit right at the beginning, they're never gonna be a good fit. You know, we've nursed people along for months and, and months and months and just, it's better to, you know, you kind of think, oh, I've already invested this much time and this much money into this person. We have to keep going. And it's, it's not a good idea. You just and need to cut ties right at the beginning. That's such be good done. advice. Yep. I, I just think that. back. Yeah. I, that's such good advice. Because a lot of you, you're, you're right. A lot of founders, a lot of entrepreneurs, they, um, they know it, you know, intrinsically, you know, when you've made a good hire or not, but they just, it's so hard to cut that person yeah. loose because for a lot of reasons, number one, it's, you feel bad, but number two, I think it's like, now I got to go find someone else. Totally. And go through that whole process again. How do I you do know? that? I'm not exactly. going to find somebody. There are seven. Seven's not bad. Like a seven out of 10. Okay. I can handle a seven. No, a seven's not good. If, if they're an eight or a nine, then that's fine. But if they're a seven, seven and a half, no, if it's not an absolute yes, it's a no. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't know that or, or feel like six or seven's okay. So that would be my advice would be, no, if, if somebody's not a rock star, then be done. Cause you're going to be done and just have even more problems with clients, more problems with training and, and it affects the whole team, right? It drags the whole team down. So if we have an employee that's doing poor work, 
then the other accountants are like, hey, this data entry person, I'm spending so much time double checking it. You know, I've trained them. And so it's like, well, you've trained them. But no, it's it's better to just be done and, and find someone else. It's interesting. So what you're saying, and we've heard this before, is if you let that slide, other things start to slide too. Yeah. Because they're like, oh, they're, that person's getting away with it. I could probably get away with other things as well. Well, and I don't want to bring morale down for the whole team. Then other people are doing extra work or more work and they're frustrated. You know, we have a really difficult demographic because it's women, right? And I want to employ women because I needed employment. I needed money. I needed to support my family. So I feel a stewardship and a responsibility to pay it forward and to employ people. Okay, so this girl was so cute. She came to me. We have an annual retreat in the fall. And we fly everybody in from out of state. We go up to our family cabin and we just hang out. It's super fun. And she pulled me aside and she's just like, thank you so much for this job. She's like, my husband couldn't get hired. Uh, we didn't know what we were going to do. He didn't know if he needed to go back and get a master's degree. He wanted to teach history. Nobody was hiring. And she came across a job posting or something and was like, do I do this? I'm still in the middle of having kids. And then she's just like, her husband's like, yeah, do it. And she goes, is this a good time? And he's like, I don't know when it would be just the perfect time. And she's just like, it's a huge blessing for my family. My husband didn't have to go back to school. I can be at home. And it's such a payoff. It's like, that's why we're doing this, you know? So it's pretty cool. That's cool. Tell us more about your passion behind, you know, an all women owned and all women operated company and what the benefits um, are besides what you've already mentioned. Cause that's such a cool thing and very unique in this space, especially, right? Yeah. So I have had two guys that worked, have worked for me. I, I hate to say that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they just didn't thrive. They did not do well working from home. They wanted to, you know, they weren't as motivated. They didn't have the camaraderie of a of an office. And after the second guy, I'm like, yeah, this I think we're just gonna go with women. And it's just a little bit better fit. I think they're, you know, often they are already home. They want to be at home, but you know, it it provides a little bit of a, a side hustle for them. But it's fun because being in teams, having calls, we do support each other. And, and at the retreat, um, this Robin said to Liz, who's her teammate, she's like, I think Liz is my best friend. And it was so sweet because they're talking all the time, right? And, and they're buddies. So even though we're all remote, um, my manager, Emily, has done a really incredible job of fostering friendship and camaraderie and support. And so... They are friends. Everyone is friends. So it's pretty great. Very cool. Yeah. That's so cool. I I just think that like I would struggle working from home. I, I don't know why, but like I could probably work a couple hours a day from home, but I have to get out of the house. Yeah. So yeah, I can totally see why you've <laughs> you've gone the way you've gone. That well, and there's flexibility. Some people like to work early, some work late at night, some work during at nap time. Um, and that's fine. Like as long as they get the work done, it doesn't matter. And your clients are already accustomed to that. So it's fine for them too. Well, yeah. Our clients, you know, they've got multiple people working on their account. There's always somebody that answers. We respond within 24 hours. Usually it's 10 minutes. So it's, it's a really high touch personalized, you know, service and our clients are thrilled. Then they don't have to manage the staff. They're not hiring. They're not training. They're not double checking everything. That's exhausting. 
you know, so it's really beneficial for them as well and less expensive. Yeah. Well, I would, this is where I was going to go, which is right in line with that. Like, uh, so I did accounting on the side for a couple of companies while I, right after I had graduated Okay. and, uh, cleaning up people's messes in their books is such a disaster. <laughs> it's so much better to get it right the first time it than it is to like have to go back years and years and figure out what the heck they did wrong. Uh, so what advice do you have for that with this in mind? What advice do you have for that entrepreneur that's kind of doing their own books right now? What are the most common mistakes that you see people making early on with their companies when they just make a really big mess with their books? See, and I love, I love putting together those messes. We all love puzzles, right? We I, to me, I think that's a blast you know, cleaning it all up, sorting it, making it look nice and being like, Hey, here she, here you go. You know, it's perfect. Um, and so that is a big part of what we do is every month we have people come to us with cleanups, but you're right. It is so much more work for them than if they just did it right to begin with. So there's a couple key things. One is a lot of entrepreneurs that are doing it themselves, especially early on. They'll be like, yeah, I'll get to that later this month, or I'll do that next month. Cause I'm busy. Right. And then they finally put it together or maybe they don't, or maybe if it's, it's half done and then they don't have accurate numbers to say, Hey, my costs of goods are too high. Right. And every industry is a little different, but I had a client who, who did the most incredible floral arrangements. She, she'd make these bouquets and then she'd be like, Oh, I need more ribbon. This is gorgeous. And she'd put more flowers in and she wasn't keeping on top of her accounting. And then I get in there and it's like, okay, every rose or flower that you put in there, there's a dollar. That ribbon is like 20 bucks right there, right? So if you're not keeping track, it makes sense why you're not making any money. So if you stay on top of it and you're constantly looking at that, I say even every day, look at your numbers. How did it go? Are you focusing on the 20% that's gonna make you the most money? People often are distracted by all the other minutia that they're doing that they're not really drilling in on that. And that is the most important thing. So if you're looking at your numbers, then you can be a better business, better business owner, right? So that's a big thing. <laughs> My brother came to me and said, you know, I got to pay an extra 50 grand in taxes, 50 more than I was planning on. Will you take a look at this? So we got in and their assistant had not been linking. Okay, so if they got a check in the mail or somebody paid them, they just go in and make a deposit but they wouldn't link it to the invoice. So their income was doubled up, right? Or sometimes, you know, you're not checking, you know, you pay bills, but you're not, you know, attaching them to the bill. And so you got to pay attention to the balance sheet too. Are my liabilities in line? Does this look right? You know, you, you kind of know, is my income, this is like, I, I say pull up a three-month P&L. Every month, at least I do this with my own business every month, pull up three months and I compare side by side and look for outliers. If something's way high or way low or rents missing or your mortgage or your incomes all of a sudden tripled, drill down and find out why that's probably the biggest indicator to see if you're doing something wrong. Yeah, that's such good advice. And numbers don't lie. I mean, yeah, they don't. <laughs> and, and look at three years side by side, you know, and, and you will save so much more money by hiring a professional to do it. Yeah. I will tell you what, like when we, we review a ton of financial statements at the bank, right? When anybody applies for a loan, I get their tax returns. I get their QuickBooks statements. 
And I just laugh every time I see like a small business with like 900,000 in ask my accountant. <laughs> totally. And I'm like, how am I supposed to do a loan for you if you have $900,000 in this account that says ask my accountant? Totally. Let's just have a meeting with your accountant right now. <laughs> can yeah. I just talk to your accountant? Exactly. Yeah. Give me funny. access to your QuickBooks so I can just take care of this. Yeah, that's a big problem. <laughs> what, um, Jenny, what's been the most gratifying thing for you in your career? What, what moment could you look back and say, that was my proudest moment in my career? Um, that moment at the retreat when that employee said to me, I am so grateful for this job. Like, it, it honestly made me cry. Because like I have been there, I've, I've had little kids, I've had no money, I've I've struggled, right? Um, five five years ago, I fell off my bathroom counter. It was the dumbest accident. Fell off, I hit my head on the travertine floor. It's a pretty good fall, and um, I got a, a really bad traumatic brain injury, and I didn't really realize how bad it was, and at that moment. Um, you know, it's just like, holy smokes, like, I'm not okay. I could barely stand up. I felt like I was in a coma. I couldn't, I couldn't vacuum my floors for three months. I couldn't fold laundry. It, it was a struggle. Just dizziness or just? So vertigo, dizziness. Every morning it felt like I had just gotten hit hard over the back of the head. Like I would stand at, I'd sit at the counter for breakfast and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm not okay. And um, fatigue, like extreme fatigue. I am a type A, go every second, let's do this, right? And I, I couldn't function. I, I would lay there, I would rotate from my couch to my bed, to my patio. I would turn on, you know, I don't wanna waste time, right? So it's like, okay, I'll listen to a book or I'll listen to a podcast. Even the very lowest sound setting, I couldn't tolerate. My ears were, amplified my eyes everything was dizzy i was dizzy always i would look at a tree and i could see every leaf flitter i was so overstimulated it was horrible so at that moment i was like, well it wasn't at that moment i had a, a stupid doctor say just go jen just go and your brain will catch up so just live your life don't be scared you know still water ski so i'd go okay i can do this and then i crash and then I'd like have to just rest for days on end. And then I'd finally come out of it. And then I'd go, go, go. And then I totally crashed, right? Two years, I like could hardly function. And I had a doctor say, you've got to give up five things. And it was moments like that where it's like, okay, I think I need to sell my business. I told my husband, I'm like, I can't, I literally can't do this. I would try to invoice and I'd lay on my bed. And then I'd try to look at my computer screen and I'd be so dizzy that I, I would just like do one invoice and I'd be like, I'll do it at the end of the month, right? Like I can't do this. Just being on the computer, I couldn't scroll on my phone. My brain just couldn't process. I couldn't remember a conversation that I'd had 20 seconds prior. My husband would ask me something or I'd ask him a question. 30 seconds later, I'd ask him the same question. He was so loving and so patient. He'd be like, oh yeah, you just asked me that. Sometimes he wouldn't say that. And I'd just be like, did I just ask you that? Like I had a lot of brain damage. So what did you do? So uh, two years in, this doctor said, you got to give up five things. You know, I was still trying to go. I was, you know, I, f I would feel guilty. I'd be like, okay, I need to coach my kid's soccer game. And I'd go and then I'd come home and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And then I'd be out for a couple days. And then, you know, I'd 
try to run my business, but I couldn't. Right. And so, um, I offered my manager, I, I said, Hey, do you want to buy my business? She's like, no, I want to be a mom. I'm finally pregnant. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, bad timing. It. Yeah. So she's like, Emily Van Brocklin, she's your girl. And I'm like, okay, I don't really know Emily. Cause I had kind of stepped back and let Melissa manage. And so I reached out to Emily and I'm like, Hey, you're a super hard worker. A lot of her kids were, you know, almost done with high school and moving out. And I was like, would you want to be my manager? She's like, absolutely. You know, and she was hungry. And then, and then I said, I'll offer you ownership, you know, if you can help me. And that was one of those switch points, right? Getting the right person to help. And, and that was a really key moment in the trajectory of our business. And she's phenomenal. She had tons of energy. The girls loved her. You know, she took, because she's now a partner, I could let her do the invoicing. I could let her handle, and I just had to trust, okay, of all the personalities, you're friendly, you're a good touch point for clients. Um, you can take over that role for me because up until that point, it was me. And, you know, I was kind of maxed, you know, for the first 10 years, I had hit this, this point where I couldn't grow up more because I couldn't handle um, managing any more employees. I couldn't handle any more clients. I was capped and I was, I was okay with that. You know, it's like, this is enough and I'm happy with where we're at. We had about 13 employees about 2018, 2019. And then Emily steps in for me and I'm like, I've got to focus on getting better. And the more I'm doing, you know, the worse off I'm, I'm getting. So I need you to take over. I need to be off calls. I need to just forward any leads to you. And then over the next five years, we've grown 300%. We've added 10 women to our staff. It's so cool. It's amazing. She's so your it, C COO. Yeah. So it taught me, hey, yeah, there's only so much each of us can do, right? And we do need strategic partners. We need people. And that's okay. It's okay to give up ownership. It's okay. Um, it's okay to relinquish some control, right? Like I was really nervous about doing that and it was the best thing I've ever done. And then this last, okay, so two years ago, so I was three years into my recovery or struggle, it was my struggle. And then um, I found a doctor in Chicago that could help me. She made me these sweet glasses and they're for brain injuries. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand brain injuries and it was huge. For the first time, she's, I said, how badly do I need these glasses? And she, I tried every therapy, by the way. You know, I was grateful I had resources financially to be able to do that. And I know a lot of people don't. And your husband's a doctor yeah, as well. Yeah, he's Maybe a that, doctor. Yeah, and I, I have a, a successful business. And I'm like, this is so unfair. This is so unfair that I am able to try every therapy available. You know, I did vision therapy. I did cognitive FX. I did this neurochiropractor for a year. I did everything. I'm going to Chicago every three months for my eyes. And there wasn't medication, on, obviously, on the market no, that could help with this. No. And the eye doctor is like, I said, how badly do I need these glasses? And she's like, it's a 911 emergency. She's like, your eyes are trying to put together images like a camera kind of has a rapture and it focuses. She's like, your eyes are working independently and your brain is so tired trying to put these images together that you have no energy. Like I literally, if my productivity was a hundred, I was probably at a five. 
Like it was really, really bad. And I told my husband, I'm like, I cannot live like this the rest of my life. I really can't. Like this is no, no way of living. And I knew I would get better. Like I knew in, I knew deep down, I knew God was telling me, this is possible. You can do this. And that's why I'm like, okay, I'm going to try every therapy. If I can improve 2% even, it's worth it, right? So I did everything, just waiting. Like at some point, something's going to click and I'm going to have, I'm going to be better, right? <laughs> One week, yeah, it's fine. I'll be better at the end of this week. And then I'm three years in and, and then I, I found this eye doctor in Chicago and she's like, it's a 911 emergency, you know? And after I got the glasses, my headaches stopped. Like really, really horrific headaches were, that were really debilitating. Um, it took some time, but the, the dizziness stopped. Um, the clarity, like, I'm like, I'm getting my life back. This is incredible. And this last February, so then I like, you know, I'm focusing, like my number one focus is being a mom, right? And that is all I've wanted to do. And I even felt like the basics, like I can't serve. I can't be involved in community stuff. I can't coach. I can't do these basic things that I really have thrived on, right? Like I felt like my value was based on my output. And it was. I thought my value was based on that because it always had been. And and it was exciting because I started to, started to be able to do more with my kids started to feel better, started to be able to go to more stuff. Um, and then in February of this last year, I like whip out my laptop and I starting to get more involved. And I think Emily was like, wait, what's happening? Like, <laughs> wait, what is, what does this mean for me? Like, I can tell you're getting better, you know? And it was a little bit of a, okay, what is my role? What is your role? And I'm like, Em, you, you're doing awesome. You know, you're, you're managing the team. Um, you're, you're working on the structure, the core of the business, the clients, like let me work on growth, client acquisition and community outreach. And so, you know, we are one of the hundred companies championing women. Um, we just got four Stevie awards in New York, which is so awesome. It's an international award, which is so, Amazing. so neat. Um, you know, I, we started, I started doing scholarships for in Davis County for girls and then for our scholarship recipients, uh, we hired them as interns. So I'm hoping to help them, you know, kind of bridge their way into business. I don't feel like there's enough women that have the confidence to be in business and to lead. So it is so exciting. And I do feel, I feel so blessed that, that my goal is to try to help as many people as I can, right? Like I'm so fortunate that I could get the medical help that I need so my focus is on my staff. They are, they are my asset. That's what I want to protect. And if they're okay, then my clients are taken care of. Right. So that's awesome. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, we usually ask what like a challenge or a moment where you felt like the business was going to go down. And I mean, you, you beat us to it and that's one of the most amazing stories we've ever heard. So really good. <clears throat> congratulations yeah. on your recovery. And Thank on, you. are you 90% there? Would you say? So somebody asked me there like or? Jen, like how, like, you know, you're working again, you're doing stuff, right? Like it's so fun. It's so fun to be able to be involved. I, you know, all along I've been coaching Emily, right? But she's pretty much the only person I was interacting with on my team. And so, you know, people at the retreat are like, oh, this is, you know, you know, my staff that knew me before the injury, 
they understood, okay, she's got to focus on this. And for them, if they have a problem, I want them to focus on that. I want them to focus on their kids. I want their family to come first. Absolutely. Hands down, that is the most important thing. But it's fun because then it's like, oh, she's she's back and I'm back. And it's it's really awesome to be able to be working again and to know all of my staff and to to be supporting them. And, you know, Emily had, you know, kept me like, hey, this is happening with this person and and this and this and this. But I still have to be very intentional about where I spend my time. So, um, you know, the girls handle the clients. They're phenomenal. Like I said, you know, when I was hurt and I had to step back, we grew. We grew exponentially, and it's because I have an incredible team. And I feel like they have the support they need and the teams and – and it's fun too, because our clients, as as I've grown over the years, they have two, right? So I had one client who, you'd probably know him if, if I said his name, but um, his name's Jason Olson. He had a dealership, and then he started these salons, Image Studios. And at one point, he's like, Jen, I'm going to bring this in-house. I think I can do it cheaper in-house. And I'm like, hey, whatever is best for you, you do that, right? Like, if if you ever need help, call me. So he brings it in-house. And then somebody has a baby or somebody leaves or, and then he's like, okay, I need you back. And that is the best compliment to me. Absolutely. If that was the best thing for him to bring it in house, that's great. But you know, now he's growing and he's franchising and it's awesome. So we can support him and then we're helping all of his franchises. And so that's, that's the best compliment. So as the years have gone, because we have this relationship of trust and, and, and they know that we do good work. They just keep passing more work to, off to us. So that's, that's been fun. It's amazing. Yeah. It's well really done. fun to work on a, on a close basis with the business owners and to well, see them succeed too. That's so good. Yeah. You what? built a really cool business. Yeah. yeah I'm just fun. impressed. And you've done this, you know, all while being a mom and, yeah. you know, a wife and, and uh, helping, Women get it done. Help, helping others do the same thing. Yeah. And, and that was one of my last questions is, when did you decide that was going to be your strategy to make it, you know, uh, really focus on women? It wasn't, it doesn't sound like it was from the very get go. It kind of came a little later, right? I mean, it kind of was from the get go. It was just when you're hiring and somebody applies and you're like, oh, they'd probably do a good job. Like, you know, like I said, two out of the, however, you know, 60 employees over the last 15 years or whatever. But, um, then it just kind of, the one guy was just like, yeah, I need to be in an office. And then I was like, okay, I won't, I won't do that again. Not that men aren't capable cause they are. And I, I, you know, somebody asked me, oh, you only want to work with women. I'm like, no, 95% of my clients, 98% of my clients are men. They need us, you know, and I love working with them and helping them. But in terms of, of the employees, our team, yeah, it's all women. I so it, it was initially, and it was because I needed employment, I needed work, and I knew what that was like to need work that I could do from home. And that has always been the model. And then our costs are low because we don't have the overhead of a business. So then we can offer cheaper services to our clients than their CPA firm, right? Because a lot of people will have their CPA do their taxes and the CPA will be like, oh, we can do your bookkeeping or we can do your accounting. Um, and it's kind of an after the fact thing, right? Yeah, it's, but they're not offering controller services. They're not a high touch firm. 
and we are. So, so they get a team, but they get a really smart team. They get a brain trust of data entry all the way to masters to CPAs without necessarily having to pay that really high ticket price. So it like ends that. up being way cheaper to go with us than even just hiring somebody in house. And if they hire somebody in house, you know, they may pay them, you know, a salary or whatever. And we usually come in cheaper than that. We're cheaper than if you hire a controller, but you get controller services. And that, you know, this one client of mine, um, he was doing 10 million. He got acquired. So they were selling and a CE, he, then they hire a CFO, right? Cause they're selling the CEO had kind of been handling it and we'd been their accounting department. The new CFO comes in and immediately fires us. And the CEO goes, what did you just do? Why did you fire them? He's like, well, I'm the CFO. We don't need them anymore. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a huge part of my business, but oh, well, you know, that's fine. We'll get more clients. And I'm thinking the transition would probably take place over like six months, three months. And, and, you know, anybody he hired, we would train and pass off the work. It ended up being an eight year transition. Oh my gosh. I couldn't believe it because they kept acquiring more businesses and they'd bring him in. And even though he kept hiring accountants or staff, we were still this side gig that could flex with them. They could keep passing off work to us. So I was scared to lose them, but, but I didn't, you know, they were a strategic partner. They loved us and we ended up working with them for another eight years. That's so, amazing. Yeah, That's cool. awesome. Well, it goes to show that the, your clients just really trust you and that you do yeah. a really phenomenal job for them. Yeah. So congratulations. Agreed. Thank that. you so much. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, how do people reach out to you? Um, if they want to work with you, um, if they want to work for you or if they just want to connect with you and, and get advice or yeah. things like that. So our website is booksmartspro.com, B-O-O-K-S-M-A-R-T-S, pro.com. And our contact information's on there. My email is jenny at booksmartspro.com. So they can email me. Um, we would love to hire more people. We are in need of a new another CPA. We're always hiring. So yeah, please, please email me. And, uh, and you can find all of our information on our website. Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming and being with us. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. Anything else? I mean, we've talked about a lot here, but anything else you want to say while you've got the, the floor to the audience that we didn't cover? Uh, the only thing I would say is just hang in there, you know, like I think everybody faces hardships and struggles and, you know, I had certain points in time where I easily just could have given up. And I think it's important to just dig deep and just plow forward. And I think that there is always a chance. Ever since I was little, my mom would just be like, hey, why not you? You know, there, there's a chance. You know, we're like, oh, I don't think my husband will get the residency in Utah. And she's like, why not you? You know, somebody's got to get it. And so with business, you know, the CVs, it was like, yeah, probably not going to get that. But I'll try. Maybe we will, you know. And so to diversify, I apply in five categories, hoping we can get one and we got four of the five. It's amazing. And yeah, it's amazing. So it's just like, yeah, who, who are you to say that you can't or that you're limited in any way? I don't think that there are any limitations. Cool. So. Thanks so much, Jenny. This has been fun. Thank you. Good luck with everything. The Midnight Founders Podcast is a podcast about entrepreneurship that is hosted by CB Vault and Rev Road. CB Vault is the entrepreneur arm of Central Bank. And Rev Road is a venture services firm where companies come to grow. 
Thanks for listening to us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is AJ and Jake signing out.